0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today, we have Jasmine Starr. Jasmine is a photographer and business strategist from Newport Beach, California. She dropped out of law school and became an internationally recognized creative entrepreneur, later to become the founder and CEO of Social Curator, a social media marketing platform for business owners. Jasmine empowers entrepreneurs to build a brand, market it on social media, and create a life they love. She's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Inc. Magazine. She's also the host of her own podcast, The Jasmine Star Show. You're doing a lot. Thank (laughs) you Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. So today we're going to talk about something you normally don't talk about. You're normally talking about business. Yes. Today we're going to talk about your marriage. Yeah. Because people know about your lovely husband, JD, from your Instagram. But we're going to dive into the nitty gritty of you know, And it
1: makes me so excited because uh, I strongly believe that what I do and what I put out is on behalf of uh, the business. And so oftentimes I do talk about him. I make references. uh, People are familiar with him. But to really add insight into what happens behind the scenes is we are equal business partners. We do everything together. And while I'm outward facing, he's very much integral to the business. So I'm just very excited to cast light on somebody who prefers to be behind the scenes.
0: This is awesome. And this is I'm so excited to talk to you because yeah. my audience is specifically high-performing women where we're a specific breed. Yes. <laughs> we're yes. a so specific breed and finding a supportive, awesome partner mm-hmm. sometimes even after you're married. It, it just the work doesn't stop, right. right? And it's really easy on social media to just you know see her get caught up like that's so awesome like her correct. husband's so supportive correct but we can talk about some of the realities of and challenges that come up but let's take it back because you guys have been together for a really really long time you are high school Sweetheart, sweethearts yes you've done some homework girl of yes course. of course yes. i saw that prom
1: <laughs> photo I <saw> that. <laughs> <laughs> yes i posted a picture of us in in our in our high school prom that yeah.
0: it's so cute so what type of person were you in high school Do, were you always a woman who knew what she wanted?
1: I, you know, at the time of this recording, what people can't see is my husband's in the room, so he can totally testify. <laughs> um, I would say I was a person who knew what I wanted. Okay. Yes, even in high school. Okay. I knew I wanted him. Okay. And l- look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Clear vision. That's and right. here he is. That's right. That's right. I always say that like like, like a, I'm a good kitten. You know, I have my claws, get them in,
0: just hook them in and keep them nice and close. Okay. And what kind of guy was he in high school?
1: He was very much the same. The core of him. His character has remained intact over these years. And that was the thing. I will never forget the day that I met him. And the thing that struck me so much about him was he was... Kind and he was confident and he was thoughtful and he was um, unexpectedly charming. Not like that witty in your face charming, but just somebody who could look at you and look you in the eye, have a conversation, make subtle jokes, and be okay in his own skin. And I was immediately attracted to
0: him as a person. That's amazing. At that age, because I'm thinking at that age, like who would I have picked? It wouldn't have been the kind. Of worst.
1: Well, you know, it I always joke. No, I I always <laughs> joke that there was an 87 year old in my soul, and so it's like I'm an old soul, and I I I spotted somebody with a good character, and I was I, I was attracted to him physically, but there was something about him like energetically that I just I, now n- to be fair, I didn't look at him and say, "Oh, there's my husband." No, not at all. I was had just turned 17. So I wasn't thinking in that capacity. But there was something distinct about him that I was just like, you. It's you. This you-ness right here. Like, I need to get to know you. Our very first phone conversation, we spoke for four hours. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we definitely connected. Okay. And did you hit on him? Um, wow, we're hit, we're hitting the ground running. Uh, it depends who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> what is your um, version of the story? Uh, no, it's
1: actually it is the true version. So we were introduced by way of a high school counselor. Now this ha- uh, high school counselor, we didn't go to the same high school, but we went to the same high school we went to the high schools in the same district. So this counselor was a counselor at his school and my school and the other high schools in the district. And so he had said, Jasmine, I really think you need to get to know this guy. He is the ASB vice president and you're a senior class president. You're both very involved. I think you guys would just hit it off. And I don't know if he was introducing us necessarily in a romantic capacity. I do think he kind of thought it would be cute to introduce us. Um, and then when we met, it was probably like a five, 10 minute conversation. And my husband was a student at the school his dad taught at. So I was introduced to him and his dad simultaneously. So it was extraordinarily platonic. And that five, 10-minute conversation, just small talk, I went back w- to hang out with my friends. We were at a, a, um, a community fundraiser. We were raising awareness and funds for disadvantaged families at Thanksgiving. And so all of our schools were coming in and participating. I went back to my friends who were equally as involved in school, and I said, there's this guy. Like, I think he's so nice and he's so cute. And I was never, I didn't have a boyfriend in high school. I was very much, uh, I was active and I was involved. But I think I'm like a self-proclaimed nerd. I was very academic. Like, I was very responsible. I was never a partier. And so my friends were kind of surprised that I had made such like a bold statement when I hadn't done so through the course of our high school career. And they had said, well, I think you should go up to him. And I said, no, no, no. And they're like, go up to him. And I thought to myself, I'm going to go up to him. And so I marched right on over to him and he was on his way out and he was with his younger sister who is now one of my favorite people in all the world. And I was like, hey, we made small talk for another 10 or 15 minutes, but um, I knew I knew he liked me. I knew he was at least interested, which made me feel a little bit bold. Uh, We did not exchange numbers. We we didn't do anything. He played football. I was on the cheer team, and so I said, "Okay, well, we'll see each other when our teams play." And that was probably about three or four weeks later. And then the following week, our high school counselor pulled me out of class and said, "I think you should write a note to him." And so this high school counselor became a courier between schools. Like we were writing letters. Like I'm in it. Like my we're going to tell our daughter like we wrote letters, and she's like, "That's for." You know, be like, we <laughs> what sent smoke sniggles fact? to each other. Uh, but that's like the start of it. We became very good friends via notes. It was like theoretically passing them through the hall. And then he included his phone number and we started talking on the
0: phone. Yeah. So sweet. Yeah. So how many years have you been together? Oh, uh, definitely t- over 20. Over, t- Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. OK, so th- 20 years. And also because you met young, mm-hmm. I imagine there was a lot of changes in because, you know, you're a different person, like every decade. And for a person like you, who values growth, I'm assuming, just yes. l- looking at your business yes. ventures and things yes. like that. What advice would you give for how can a couple like grow together? What mm-hmm. like what is the key to success? Because sometimes you might be on different pages, you know, most
1: definitely. I mean, the the fact that we have, we have now been together more than we've been apart. And uh, through every iteration of our lives and changes and we've gone through very high highs and very low lows. We've lost beloveds and we have had to make difficult decisions and have difficult conversations. And the 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 red thread that ties every single situation has always been communication. And even if what the other person was saying was uncomfortable or it was like holding up a mirror to the thing that you didn't want to see, the one thing that I can say and when I, I don't ever like to phrase it like what's the keys to success and I'm like I don't know as much as the next person, but what I do know is that we have a very healthy, active relationship in trying to be respectful and uber communicative with each other and explaining where we are, and what we're feeling and the things that we need. Did that take time? Like, were you always good at it? And I come from a very communicative family. Like okay. we talk about all the things in okay. all the ways. And okay. so I do think that that helped because uh, we graduated high school. And J.D. had a soccer scholarship in the Bay Area. So we were dating long distance for two years. Now, at the time, we thought it was going to be four years. But he went and it forced us to have phone conversations. And so um, this wasn't, this did not predate like cell phones in any way, shape or form. But at the time, it was like still very expensive. And so he was calling me from a payphone. And there was this thing, no one, I just feel like we're so freaking old now because there's things like 1-800-COLLECT. It's like, it was like a quarter for like 10 minutes. And then it was like, I don't know, $16 for every minute after that. (laughs) So we would hang up like every 10 minutes, like every nine, nine, nine and a half minutes. It was like, okay, I'm gonna call you back. And so there he was. Like in a in a phone booth in Monterey Bay, California, and so it really honed our communication skills because the only thing that we were doing was communicating by phone for about two years, and so and I was still writing letters, and we saw I have a box of all the letters that we ever wrote back and forth with each other. So
0: it really did set a very strong foundation for us for the years to come. Got it. Okay, what about fights? Because I feel like as couples, as you're together longer, the fights get better, like easier to resolve. Mm -hmm. So I, like, what are some things that you guys still bicker about?
1: Oh, like, the, they're just these stupid, ridiculous, nonsensical things. Like, I don't know why it just drives. And I see this again and again, and he just doesn't get the hint. But when he shaves, there will be water on the counter. And I just think. Wipe the water down. Are there little speckles of hair in it? No, too? no, no. Oh, just hair. The water. Okay. Just water. Okay. Just water. <laughs> so I don't know how he magically gets his little microscopic piece of hair down the drain with the water. I don't know why. It just, I'm just like, again. Um, it drives him crazy. Crazy. And I didn't realize that I did it, but I leave cabinets and doors open. I just think it's more productive. Like if I leave everything open, I don't have to spend that nanosecond to open and close it. And so he comes into the kitchen and doesn't have to say anything, but the sound of the thud of each progressive shelf or refrigerator door or dishwasher. Do, do, do. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) your silent treatment over here. I get it. Um, But I will say that – I'm I'm highly energetic. I'm very, very sensitive to energy. And I also know that energy affects me in a deep way that might not affect somebody else. And because it's taken me this long in my life for me to realize that I'm very high functioning, very high performing, that anything that verges on sabotaging that level of production, I immediately am like, we're stopping now. What's going on? Because I can't deal, I can't, I cannot deal with this. And um, I'm not saying at all that we do not fight or do not argue. I just will definitely say we don't do it on whatever average is. I definitely know we're below average, not because we're great or we're special, but it takes two people to argue. And I just know I'm not arguing, so mm-hmm. I will just rather be quiet. And so we can sit here, and I don't know how healthy it is, but I'm just like quiet, and I'm like I need to figure out what I actually am thinking and feeling. Because Mm -hmm. next thing you know, and I do know, I have a silver tongue. Like I went to law school and I dropped out. But my family was just like, you were just born a litigator. And so I know that I can, with my tongue, cut you to 18,000 pieces, march right on over you and say, get up, bro. I could kill somebody with my words. I know that. So why? Why would I do that to somebody I truly love and care about for the sake of winning sometimes love is understanding that it's not about winning. It's about listening to the other person. So I'm not saying that at all we don't argue, but it's just so infrequent because it's just, what do you need and what do I need? Great. We're not talking and we both know we're very annoyed and upset each other, but it doesn't warrant warrant a a fight or an argument.
0: Right. And then how do you come to resolution if it's like a big thing, like a big life decision thing? How do you resolve that?
1: Well, I think that in light of full disclosure, an example would probably behoove like the audience to really be open about that. So one of the biggest conversations that we had spe- specifically Um, later in our life was what it looked like for us to have a family and we were in the process of adoption and it was taking much longer than any of us had anticipated. And I think the beauty about that was that it was forcing us to have conversations and we actually met with a therapist who facilitated families going through adoption for us to have conversations around stuff that maybe we assumed the other party might have been thinking or feeling. And one of those conversations was how does it change the relationship? And I did not want to talk about that. I am of the school of belief, flawed or not, is like, we'll figure that out when we get there. And my husband really values setting his life up for flow. If he knows what he's going into, he then knows how to navigate. And I'm the complete opposite. So this therapist was definitely like Team JD. And he was just like, you need to know how you're navigating this because when you put a human in the mix of it, nobody's thinking clearly. And that was really great advice. I just didn't want to do it. So it's a Saturday afternoon and we have coffee and we decided to sit and I'll never forget he's sitting on the couch there's a coffee table between us and I'm on um, a love seat on the other side and he said we have to make a decision and that decision is we know that we want our child to have a full-time parent and for the scope of how things look right now you are not in position nor do you desire to be the full-time parent and he's like I have a desire to be the full-time parent And I also have a desire to still play a role in the business, but the math doesn't work out. And so we need to have a conversation of what that looks like for you to take on extra responsibility or hire somebody to take on some of the things I was doing in the business, which I didn't want to have that conversation. He's like my third arm. And uh, he also said, because you travel extensively for work – We have to have the discussion of what that looks like. You have, And I don't like to travel without him. He's like, we need to have these conversations. And then we need to come to an agreement about what we both think is best for our child. And if we come to this agreement in the future, if it changes as a benefit to what you desire, that's great. But we have to know very clearly what the terms are that we're agreeing to. And, oh, I cried oh, I cried. I cried ugly tears. And not because I was angry. I felt like I had to maybe mourn the shift of that relationship. I'm like, oh, that relationship got us here. It's not going to get us to where we want to go. And so I was so thankful because what we decided and what we agreed on was so different than what our reality is, is that I said, I do agree to travel on my own. And I do agree to do things on my own for the sake of this family even though that's the the last thing I wanted. And so, uh, unexpectedly, we had that conversation that's happening in early 2019, and we actually don't get placed with a child until February 2020. And the the year that we get placed with a child the world goes on lockdown. So that whole revenue stream, that whole travel schedule was out the window. So we were able to just stay as a family for well over a year and a half. And so in October, 2021, that was the first time that I was back out on the road. So almost two years that I had been out back on the road and we had this great opportunity and great conversation that we had decided that our daughter was old enough that she was gonna travel with me to my very first speaking event. So again, we had made the agreement that I was okay doing it this way and it ended up being better than what we had expected. But we had to have those hard conversations in the beginning.
0: I think it's really great that you had the conversations in the beginning. Some people don't and they really struggle once, you know, what baby comes or like expectations are just different. I think with anything, I think communicating expectations is important. Oh, very much. Where you at. And I have, for my own personal thing, I want to ask about the adoption because I've thought about it before. Has it been something that you've always... Envisioned or always wanted?
1: Yes, I knew from a very young age. Uh, very, I grew up very involved in our church and. Uh, there was a missionary from Romania who had come and spoken at our church and talked about how many children in Romania were orphaned. And I just remember being a very young child and it like shaking me like in the inside. And I knew that my heart was being shaped for adoption. I thought it was going to be um, in conjunction with having it, But as a child, what do you really know about motherhood? What do you know about reproduction? But I was kind of like, it's going to be in addition to So I always knew that that's where I was being shaped. And so to meet a person who has the capacity and the bandwidth and the heart to actually be in agreement with that at a very young age, that meant something to me. And so, um, yes, that was the long answer to yes.
0: Okay. And you talked about a little bit, but did you have any hesitation with self-identity before becoming a mother? Because I imagine you have a personal brand. Your business is a big part of you. Did you have any hesitation like is becoming a mom, is that going to take away from that? Of course. Of course.
1: (laughs) And in light of full disclosure, it was that. But um, it was also more so, am I going to be a good mom? Like am I even hardwired that way? Because I – from. Very young age, I knew that I liked to do it. I like to set goals. I like to achieve it. I like to move on. And it was never, it was, it's the game. It was never, if I get there, ah, finally. And then I'm cool. It was always, great, done, next. Great, done, next. In fact, my whole life, I had never actually taken the time to like index. We just did something pretty massive. Like, let's just sit here. I was like, done. Next thing. Done. And then, you know, if I look back and I'm like, the thing that we just accomplished was like this big, massive dream. And I wasn't even in the space to be like, do we realize we just did? And I was always next, next, next. And so I put into motherhood and be like, wait, wait, wait. there's not really like a done and next. It's like a start. And then you go on for as long as you're, you have breath. And so I wasn't sure if I, it was so counter opposite of how I had lived that I wondered did I have the capacity to, to be that person? and i am <laughs> okay. oh i am okay. i was just like oh i'm like i just didn't know that there was this whole thing inside of me i even as a child i knew i wasn't i wasn't really the girl who played with baby dolls all that much mm-hmm. i wasn't really the girl who like aspired for barbie's dream mansion I I was the person – I just had a conversation with my husband yesterday. I was like, I was the person who was mowing my parents' lawn. Like, I played <laughs> office. Like, that's just who I was. And I just – I thought that that was normal. And I look back and I realize, oh, maybe it's it's not. However, even just this morning, um, there's this little, like, lullaby. We're trying to uh, teach our daughter English and Spanish. And so it's this lullaby that sings that, – that plays in Spanish and English. And so I was singing alongside of it and I was just kind of, like, touching her hair. And then my husband from across the kitchen, he's just like – I just really like who you are as a mom. And I said, I really like who I am as a mom too. And I just, I feel like I'm learning a whole new side of myself that I didn't even know existed. And I like me more as a mom than I like me as like a business person. And I used to think that I liked myself a lot as a business person, and now I'm like, that girl ain't got nothing as me as a mom. So yeah. Whereas was like, where I made that reference, I was like, I'm a kitten with my with my husband. I'm a full on lioness with my daughter. Like oh. I got my claws in my husband early on, but this baby girl, I was like, I will take down the world for you. Oh,
0: that's so sweet. She's amazing. To hear. she's that's, amazing. That's she's a force. Oh, I love talking. To moms who are super entrepreneurial, just because I envision I would want to continue working if we ever decide to have kids. But I'm curious. But also, there's a lot of fear there as well. Like, what is it going to be like? Of how course. am I going to be? Of so, course. Thank you for sharing. Well, that.
1: I'm happy that we're having the conversation because I think that it needs to be normalized. I think that – I don't know about you, but – I knew growing up that there was women who had careers and jobs. In my mom and my husband's mom, full-time mothers. And that is a career. That's a massive career in and of itself. But I just think that the conversations around motherhood and entrepreneurship and leadership and in the business world Maybe they were happening, but perhaps they weren't bubbling to the surface that I saw as like a young woman out of college figuring out what I had to do. I really do wish that we had these conversations around what it means for young women to actually make the cognizant decision to say, I'm waiting. I am. It is okay for me to prioritize my career. It is okay for me to be fully cognizant that the person I'm going to attract into my life needs to know that this is my ambition. Um, it was very helpful for me to be with a partner who wasn't like you're 29 where's our kid it was very helpful for us to have very open conversations around what it looked like around when motherhood would really enter into our sphere we thought it would happen we didn't think it was going to happen in our 20s we thought it was going to happen earlier than it did end up happening but I really want to normalize what it looks like for women to be in control of the decision and then have enough strength and wherewithal to say I might not be a mom and that's okay
0: Making sure everything's okay. Um, so JD seems very supportive. He you work together. He quit his full time job to help yes. to work together. You yes. guys are business partners. Yes. So I wanna ask what it's like to work with your spouse because I feel like if I tried to work with my husband, like I would divorce him. <laughs> like, our, our approach to work is completely different. I think we could do it. It would just be a lot of learning and a lot of adjustment. Do you guys naturally work really well together? Um, you know, there was just a couple
1: times and we dated nine years before we got married. So there was truly like two, maybe three times that I really wanted to break up with, with JD. And it was on the back of assembling an Ikea desk it's stuff like that I was just like I could never marry somebody with a brain like yours okay like what are you doing like, I can't watch like, you do I, it I, can't, I was just like it was we were a two-headed dragon so I was at UCLA law school I bought like this thousand piece desk I don't know and we both looked at how to assemble it and he saw something entirely different and so finally he just said one of us is making this desk it's you or me and the other person needs to step out so if you if somebody had asked like do you ever think that you guys would work together after that conversation I would be like never in a million years (laughs) never 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 um but we work very well very well together on the back of learning very early on that we could never be involved with the same project in equal proportions and so the best piece of advice is number one, if you If you don't think it's a good idea to work with your partner, trust your intuition. I would never recommend it across the board. I think JD and I both felt that we had the potential to, and we were willing to test what it looked like. So that right there is very different. So if you feel like you're in that same capacity with your partner, then what I would strongly recommend is instead of looking at every project and every task as like, we co-do this, that's a recipe for disaster. Trust us, we tried. So what we decided to do was to take leadership roles with specific aspects of the business. And so we'll just use this on a very basic example example, that when it comes to travel, my husband is in charge of travel. So if for some reason we have a two city layover to get to X, I know better than to ask him, are you sure you looked at everything? Do you know? No, no, no. This is his project. I, as a 49% project owner to his 51% project owner, need to know that he did what he needed to do to execute on this project. Now, similarly, if I am 51% owner of a particular project, let's just say our website, and he comes to me and says, are you sure? that?" No, no, no as the leader of this project now we we can both speak into things but the person who makes the decision and the person who falls on the sword and lives by the sword is the person who is in charge of that particular project and i am okay being subservient in that particular role in that particular capacity because i trust that he's going to be doing the doing making the best decisions with what he knows how with what he has at his disposal Did that take a while? Yes. Okay. Like three years. (laughs) Okay. Three years. Three years. And, you know, we started our (laughs) career as creatives. So we were photographers. And there has to be also – oh, another. I'm so happy you asked this question because there has to be very clear distinctions around what kind of conversations you're having. Whereas we had them very murky. A conversation was a conversation, period. And we were on our way to a shoot. And my husband, not once, not twice, but thrice – with the presence of me in his car has run out of gas okay so it's not that, like yeah. <laughs> uh this random thing that i'm uh, un, you know absurdly worried about no no it's happened to me three times in his car no gas walking off a, gr- a freeway exit to get gas okay so when we're on our way to a very nice shoot very important to our career and my husband says we'll get gas when we exit and i'm like We live in Orange County, and this shoot's in L.A., and you're telling me that we're going to get gas when we exit. And I'm looking at the gas meter thinking, we need gas now. So he says, I'm driving. And so this could have been a fight, but this goes back to my explanation. So instead, I deceive quiet. I look out the window and there's steam coming out of my ears, but I'm just like, I'm like, I can't even get in that energetic space because I'm on my way to a shoot that requires energy, creative energy. And if I burn my creativity, having a conversation with somebody who refuses to repent and admit he's wrong, I'm the person who lost for it. The client is the person who lost for it. So said, I just, I'm just channeling this fuego inside of me. Okay. I'm looking out. So then finally we exit and right off the exit, because my husband lives a charmed life everything will always work in his favor. He is a cat. He has nine lives. He will always land on his feet. So as we exit, there is a freeway right at the end of the exit. And I'm just like, oh, of course there is. So he gets off, turns off the car in front of the pump, turns to me and says, see, we made it. Oh, Lord Jesus. I literally almost turned into like Wolverine. I was like, I am going to slice you into a million pieces. He gets out, he pumps gas. And still then, I have to channel this energy because I cannot, I cannot forsake this opportunity. Gets in the car, we go to the shoot, get the shoot, and on the way back home. I said, we need to have a conversation. I'm the first shooter, and you are the second shooter. The conversation that we had getting on the freeway was a husband and wife. And I am happy that you are head of household. You made a head of household decision in a business decision. As the first shooter, if you were shooting, and I started listing other male counterparts, if you were shooting with X, Y, and Z, and he asked you to get gas, it would never be a discussion. You would, of course, get the gas. Not because you respect him, but because he's the first shooter. In this situation, I'm the first shooter. So if I make some obscene request because we're having a business decision, we're having a business conversation, can you please listen? And he was quiet, and it sat with him, and he said, you know what? You're right. Now, it didn't come five minutes later. Both had to, like, settle. There was no, there was no other conversation to have. It settled. And the next morning, he said, you're right. I would have gotten gas for them. And he's just like – so oftentimes, even still to this day, I'm like, are we having a business partner conversation or are we having a husband-wife conversation? That has just saved wow. so much, like, time and energy. It's been very good for us. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. Has JD ever been threatened by your ambition?
1: I can't or, –
0: in- Or uncomfortable, like maybe in the beginning as you guys are building your careers?
1: Well, I'm going to answer first and not look at him okay. and then <laughs> – I would say no, and it's in my opinion, it's been a very hard no. I don't ever think you've never felt. I've never, I've never felt that whatsoever. In fact, I've he's done the opposite. He's been the person to say. See, here's the thing. I always talk about how I just, like, I'm, like, not, I'm not, like, I am not a crier. Like, that's just, like, it's not even, like, in my, like, DNA. I just don't cry. I'm very, like, logical, linear. And then you get me talking about my husband or my daughter, and it's just, like, Barbara Walters passed me some tissue. I get a little <laughs> love in my throat. It, he's always been the person, like, if I'm in the back of the room, go to the front of the room. If I walk into a, a space where I'm just, like, very intimidated – Oftentimes, the space that we're in now is very male-dominated and a lot of wealth. I'm the daughter of an immigrant. I'm distinctly brown. And so I think growing up, you put yourself in the back of the room. And he's always been like, you're in the front. Hold your head up high. You belong at the table. Get in there. He'll have those little moments. And then afterwards, he doesn't coddle. He's never. He's not like that, oh, sweetheart. He's never the guy who's just like going to like bring me like warm bottles of milk or something. I don't even know. Like whatever something would do comforting. He's not soft. He's a pusher and he's a striver. And then he says, no, now go and do. And I really like that. Like I just feel very empowered by him. And he's the person who's always behind me, behind the scenes, being like, if you're going to back down, it's not here and it's not in this room or in this place. So you can do whatever you want outside of this room, but now you better show up. And I think that that's been very, very, very good for me. Sometimes I say, I wish you were softer with me. He's like, no, you don't. And I'm like, I don't wish you were softer with me. (laughs) But sometimes I just like to say that. Is he a patient person? Oh, extraordinary. I mean, you have to be. I mean, look at me. Like, look (laughs) at me. I mean, I was just like, I will grind anybody into the ground. My family is just like, every dinner, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, we say like a prayer before we eat. Every dinner, my dad's just like, and God, thank you so much that my daughters have married
0: men who are patient. (laughs) It's It's a... Excellent quality. Yes. Patience. Yes. And also for a parent to be patient too. Yes. That's one of the top traits I looked for in a partner was patience. And also because my therapist at the time told me, (laughs) because I asked her, I was like, emotionally, what would, you know, like the ideal partner for me, what traits would be good? And the first thing she said was patient. And I do think if you are a high achiever and, you know, you take up space, you're intense, that Mm -hmm. patience is it's gold. Mm-hmm. But there's also, I usually tell people, there's the flip side of your favorite thing about someone, too. Like, patience can mean. Oh, it drives me like, crazy. Like, slow. Slow. Yeah. Slow. <laughs> slow. I was like, why are you so slow? <laughs> sense, oh, of <laughs> sense of urgency. Where's your sense of urgency? It's so funny. But I, I see a lot of women uh, with their marriage. This kind of dynamic seems to work well. There's a um, There's a practicality to it. And when you're thinking long term, you have to think. It's a lot of time, you know, this isn't a maybe the roller coaster stuff might be fun for like a few months. You know, you have to think day to day how you want to function with somebody Mm. and also what support looks like to you, right? Right. Because support to you seems very specific of what that meant to you, what felt good to you. Also having someone. There with you physically. You said you wanted to tra- him with you mm-hmm. when you travel, mm-hmm. and so sometimes when I go to conferences, I see the, the, the most popular dynamics I see is either they work together or the partner really gives them the space. You do you, babe. Right. You do you, babe. Right. And I think that's really, really important.
1: I think it's necessary. I don't think I don't. I just have a hard time seeing it work. I think it. I think it is possible. I don't know how long
0: sustaining. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um okay, so you h- had mentioned some of JD's qualities, his character. Are those your still your favorite qualities about him today? Absolutely. Yeah. And what were those? It was kindness. He was kind.
1: Uh he was thoughtful. And he was charming. And not in that witty way, but he's um He knows how to work a room so that somebody's grandmother and mom and sister all want to continue a conversation with him. And I just find myself from at a distance very attracted to to a quality of a man who listens intently to whomever he's speaking to and makes them feel like they're the most important person in the room. Um, He does that everywhere we go. He does that to – busboys he does that to house cleaners he does it to people of wealth status and power and i think it's something that really 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 attracts me to
0: his like kind heart so if you were gonna give advice to high high performing career women who are looking for love what's the top piece of advice that you would give to them Mm -hmm. Or be a few a few nuggets (laughs)
1: I always i i, I want to be very cautious with how I answer it because I do think I'm rather fortuitous. I met somebody at a young age, and then we had the ability to grow together. I don't think that we're special or unique, but I will say that one of the things that makes our relationship work was that it was beyond, especially as we were we were kids. And the thing that I look back is just like I'm so happy that I was able to meet somebody where went at a stage in life where I wasn't looking at how much that person made or what their potential was. I was really happy that I encountered somebody whose qualities to me in the long run were somebody that I wanted to be with long term. And when you're looking for a partner that character traits, character traits matter so much more than how many commas or zeros are in a person's bank account. And you know that sounds extraordinarily trite, but I do think that I would have done myself a disservice had I dated somebody who I felt was in a better financial situation or had more quote-unquote promise or I think that that person would bring to the table an expectation of what they looked at for a partner and might not have been the person to elevate the per- my ambitions. And I do think that for high-performing women, you need somebody very clear who will say, I want to support what it is you're doing. Or I will give you complete autonomy to continue doing what you do without having my thumbprint and expectations on what it means from a partner. So finding those qualities early on and being very outright with them, I think is totally okay. You need to give yourself the permission to say, this is who I am and this is what I want in a partner. Anybody who doesn't feel like it fit in that immediately or early on, it's okay. It is okay to meet a wonderful person. But overall, I think it's going to quench your ability
0: to grow and thrive if that person isn't 100% on board with what you want to do. That's excellent advice. Well, thank you so much for sharing this part of your life. I really, really appreciate you coming in. If people want to get in touch with you or see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: They can connect with me at jasminestar.com and on
0: jasminestar at all social media platforms. Awesome. Thank you. And JD, do you want to say anything? You can pop in and say something. Why don't you just pop in so the camera can see you? I had no idea. No? I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, JD had no idea it was going to be about
2: our marriage.
1: <laughs> I know, I, talking, I knew if I told him, in the room when I. Was I was blushing
0: the whole time Wait, can you can you come in frame Really, come here, here. squeeze in.
1: Come, here. Squeeze in. come on, for the people, get in close, saying, close to even, me, babe. Even get even it, sit. It does. for, for it, the people
0: I who do. are visual. You oh, can just lean in. This is JD.
2: I mean, hey, this is the first time I get to actually sit next to Jasmine during a podcast.
0: Enjoy,
2: enjoy. Just you know, she was talking about me half the time and so it, I always get really uncomfortable when I can't I don't know how to take compliments and things like Aww. that so i it was just a little awkward okay, but but, oh, oh, but but very oh, truthful go ahead
1: so when when you had said JD do you want to come in do you want to sit in here and I said come in come in I knew he did not know this podcast was talking about him he <laughs> yeah. I'm shridish I'm pretty <laughs> I didn't say anything but
2: I'm right Trittish. when I heard you say right in the go I was like I wanted to I somehow want crawl it. out of the so door. I, I I, like, I, I like, he's
1: not going to sit in here but, if he knew we were going to talk about him. So I'm so happy that we, because otherwise yeah, it just wouldn't no. have happened. And so, yeah.
2: This I is great. Thank you. I mean, thank you for bringing it out of Jasmine. And uh, I, I'm glad I was actually part of the conversation, or listening to the conversation, because it also reminded me of all the things that I need to continue be- being as a husband. I think mm-hmm. that, you know, these things, they don't, you don't have them forever. It's not like something, you have to work really, really hard every day to continue to have a lot of these attributes and characteristics that um, your partner uh, enjoys, and so yeah, it was just a great reminder to yeah. not let up and not 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 uh, give up on on what we really really want.
1: Yeah, so. and I I I'm just thankful that you gave us this space to document where we are in our journey, and I do think that it's easy to see that z- 0.01% of people on social media and then people create a 100% opinion on a 0.01% perspective. Oh, yeah. And so for people to be able to like hear and listen genuinely how much I really just do yeah. love you. But since you like, just
2: give me the mic, hold on. <laughs> I do, oh, no, I want to set the record again. straight on one here. <laughs> you <laughs> said that out. I ran out of, we ran out of gas three times. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it, I knew it. I just want to say I did, so. Okay. I did run out of gas three times on the freeway. But my first car, the gas meter didn't work. <laughs> so I had no idea when I had a full tank or a low tank. So it was always like, I, you but know, in that's your why head? I, in my or head. You had
0: a little chalkboard?
2: No, I like, just, I would think, like, I remember I would, think, I remember I would, I would, I would say, I'd be like, hey, I filled the gas the thing, three Christine. days ago. And so. I would try to remember how much I was driving, and so that's why I was always running out of gas. But now that I have a car, I've I've never run out of gas. With it dings eggs. at you. Oh, with, no, with...
1: Ding. no, 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 Because Even though, because he, then he'll okay, look at he like, yes, uh,
2: exactly. it did happen once exactly. in our okay. night in on so, new car. Yes, it was. So, I mean like <laughs> I just got used to still doing the math and not looking at the meter. But maybe. when I go back,
1: when I go back and we talked about like finding somebody who may not have like the financial wherewithal that you thought, like I think that people we don't ever really talk about like the car that we come from very simple families and so the car that we dated met on like you drove forever was a 1981 ford ranger yeah. with like blue pleather seats it had carpet in the back of the <laughs>
0: yes. truck
1: and it had a shell on it oh, yeah. and it had like this mustard <laughs> carpet and we yeah. i think that's just truly a hundred percent when you must fall in love with the core of that person when there's nothing else that's dazzling on material things when you find the person who dazzles mm. like on the inside you're just like I believe, I believe in the promise and I believe in like the hope of what we can create versus resting or depending on like the visual aspects of material things. Okay. That's great.
0: Well, thank you so much, thank JD. You. Thanks thank for popping in. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you've enjoyed the show, please give it five stars and write a review. It helps my rankings and I really, really appreciate it. And if you're interested in my book to read or gift to a friend, it's called Show Up, Finding Love for Independent Women, and it's available on Amazon. Have a great day.